name's Brian Gilbert. I'm from uh, England, living in France for the last 25 years. Um, from Nightwood Oak Kennels. I, I put the kennels together in uh, about 20 years ago, but um, got my first staff at 30 years ago. Uh, roller coaster rides, traveled all around Europe, always had Staffords. Um, opened a chain of bars called uh, the Bulldogs, the old Bulldog, the, the Bulldog and Barrister, uh, the Bulldog Unplugged, the Bulldog Boutique. So, always on the theme of, uh, of Bulldogs. So, obviously, I had a mascot. Um, as I said in my, my previous interview, uh, when I was back in the UK, I lived up the road from Steve Barnett, who was from the Dawson Old Time Bulldog. So Steve, I knew well. Um, got to see up close what you know the original dogs that went into the mix. Um, same thing as a young lad uh, was watching, looking, learning. Um, same thing. Eve, Steve even had some very nice Staffords. That's some, some cracking Staffords. This is what people don't understand that they get caught up in paperwork and bits and pieces. But uh, a couple of the best Staffords I ever saw had no paperwork with them. Um, I remember once I was working on a building site, I was young, and uh, at 7.30 I opened uh, the padlocks and the, the, the lorries would come in to drop off the bricks, and the guy said, well, nobody's here yet, can I let my dog out? And I said, yeah, go ahead. And the, the best-looking Staffordshire Terrier I've ever seen jumped out of the cab, was running around the site, um, uh, and I said to him, you know, what, what's, what's the pedigree? And, and the guy said, uh, he hasn't got a pedigree. He said, I just, it was a, a present my neighbor gave him to me. Didn't have a collar, didn't have a lead. Best looking Staffordshire I've ever seen. And the same deal, Steve Barnett, he had, uh, in his kitchen, he had this beautiful looking Stafford. And I said to him, hey, what's that, Steve? And he said, oh, that was my daughter's dog. You know, so it's, so we get caught up in paperwork and champions and lines and where does it come from? But, you know, some of the best dogs who, you know, have never seen the light of day, you know, so. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing. But like I say, <coughs> my life came from growing up in and around uh, Staffords, Bull Terriers, or all, all sorts of working man's dogs from a working class family. Um, a bit older as you get older, I boxed for many years. Uh, at the gym, there was always a, a dog, you know, the guy would come in, he would tie the dog to the chair, he'd work out. Uh, so everybody got to got to know these types of dogs. It was just, you know, it's, it's now they've become sort of um, a mod, as the French would say. Uh, but for us, we always had them, and it just, you know, it was part of tradition. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you went to any English pub, uh, if you're a working class man, you worked on the building sites during the week, Friday night you got paid. On the way home you stop off at the pub, have a couple of jars before you went home. Uh, there's just a mixture of dogs. You had the bull terriers, you had the big bulls, you had the. Uh, this was before the the, the ban. Um, just an array of dogs. We were growing up in and around it. It was just sort of normal that I would carry it on. So, thirty years later, here we are. Here we are with my own my own breed or my own sort of line if you like uh, but just carrying on the good work of the forefathers you know? I was I had the, the good fortune of growing up um, 
in a place, uh, the south coast of England. It's, it's a place, Bournemouth, it's on the coast. And just next to Bournemouth is a town called Boscombe. And Boscombe is known as Little Liverpool because all of the guys up north would come down and they'd get their unemployment on the beach. And so these guys, the guys from Liverpool, obviously have got historical connections with Ireland. So a lot of the decent dogs from Ireland came over to the guys from Liverpool who came down south. So some of the best old Irish dogs I used to get up close to and I'd listen to the, the, the stories and you know they would, they would go hunting with them. And, you know, they would roll their dogs with other guys. And so you listen to the real character of the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Now, we have to be very careful because it's not politically correct. But people should realize that you know, if you're going for any type of dog, you have to do your homework and you have to look at the history. You know, people today, is, you know, they're buying two or three Staffordshire Bull Terriers and then they're going online saying, you know, my, my dogs have had a terrible fight. You know, do your homework before you get a breed of dog like that. Don't just buy a dog blindly and, you know, not do any research. So I was always uh, a purist at heart. I mean, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier has to at least look like it can do the job. I'm not into blood sports and dog fighting and stuff, but you need to keep those qualities going. You know, he has to at least be uh, uh, very proud, very pugnacious. Very, you know, if you have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier male with his tail between his legs quivering, uh, no, no, that's that's just not what it is. So, I mean, you, you can see in the dog shows today, in, a, in an open class, especially here in France, you can get 20, 30 males in the same class standing shoulder to shoulder. Now, when I was young, if you went to a dog show, and the dog shows, uh, the Downlands uh, Staffordshire Terrier dog shows, you'd have 300 dogs, and you would come out of there with a head like a, a pineapple. I mean, it's just, there was screeching, it's it, all the dogs trying to get at each other, and you'd have to take a couple of aspirin when you came out of the show, because it was just the spirit of the animal was there. And I have to say, the, the boys of old were, were characters as well. Old boxers, you know, old... You know, the, the guys could, you know, they would sit in a pub and they could give you stories and stories and stories. And, and that's where I grew up. So the sort of authentic side of the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, that's, that's part of it. It's not just buying the dog, it's everything that goes around it. You need to learn the history, you need to really go in depth, you need to... You need to be passionate about the animal. You need to understand how it thinks. You need to, you know, how's my dog gonna react? You need to know everything about it. So I was, uh, like I said, with the, with the guys that, you know, were not scoundrels, but the guys that had real dogs, you know, a dog that, you know, if they would go off, uh, the farmer said he's got a trouble with uh, a fox, you know, taking, uh, taking some chickens you know they're only too happy to go along with their dogs uh, ratting uh, badger sometimes so you know these sort of tales I grew up you know grew up with and so I appreciated a spirited animal now today like I say it's, you've got to draw the line between it's not politically correct um, you know you need 
I remember an old judge, Abe Harkness, he once told me, I said to him, uh, how do you judge, uh, because he's a guy that judged over 100,000 dogs, and I said, how, how, what's your secret, how do you judge? And he said to me, if I go into a show, if I go into an open class and there's 30 or 40 males, I would look for the dog that I would put my money on in the pit. There you go. If I have my last 50 pounds and I need it, and that's the dog I would go for. So when I walk in, before I've touched the dog, I've got two or three in mind who look the part. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a question of going over the dog to see if the teeth are right, you know, the, the ears and the rest of it. So you just go, but you've already made up your mind, that one looks the part. And that stuck with me for years later. When I judge the shows, it's the same thing. I like to go in there and look at all of the dogs and see which one looks like it could do the job. There, there has to be the physicality yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you're, you're choosing in a litter of pups, people say to me, how do you choose in a litter of pups? You want a dog that is sure of himself, not a troublemaker, not the dog that's tearing everything up. Yeah. The dog that has that confidence, that, that little look in his eye, that, that cheeky little look, and the dog that's not phased, but not over the top. You need to, you know, and so color and cosmetics and all that is secondary. You want the dog that looks as though it could do the job. Mm-hmm. That, that, and this is, it's hard to explain to people without them jumping to the wrong conclusions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, if you're going to, uh, you know, go into any type of breed, uh, for example, the, the Pitbull Terrier, I'm a huge fan because it's the, the, the world champion, undisputed, of dogs. You know, it can do, as Richard Stratton said, um, it can do everything any other dog can do and then whip them. So that's about it. And so the band that came in, even though we're against the band, Somewhere along the line, maybe it's maybe it's not such a bad thing because a pit bull isn't a dog for everybody. You know, a lot of unfortunate, you know, they've fallen into the wrong hands. Uh, they got the bad blood publicity. So you can see that even though the laws are not right, when you know the nature of the beast, it's not for everybody. Now, when we go to the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, which is a watered down version. Of, of you know the true gladiator of before you've still got certain lines that, that could do the job but you've got to be very careful because in today's society um, these types of dogs could go into the wrong hands if you breed a feisty type of dog and then he goes on the sofa with two cats and a couple of yappy dogs and there's, you know it's a recipe for, for disaster so when you're going to own a breed or, or breed dogs like that, there comes a responsibility because behind you're going to have to um, pick and choose your owners. You're going to have to explain things. You're going to have to sometimes be honest with people and say, well, no, actually, you know, I haven't got anything for you. You know, it's, it's not just a case of putting a couple together, producing some pups and selling them off. You know, it's, when you're trying to, to breed something which traditionally brings all the values of before, when you're trying to do that, it brings with it a big responsibility. So 
I've always kept my dogs. I've never been one for fashion and colours and uh, heavy types and exaggeration. I steer clear of, of dog shows because, you know, it's Darwin's worst nightmare. Um, I've always produced dogs that I'd be proud to own. So <clears throat> I always think for the last 25 years is my line, is my dogs. I step out occasionally only with dogs that I know and I keep my stuff as pure as it can be but at least there's no surprises. You know, very often people run off and they're, they're into outcrosses and, oh, I'll have a bit of this and I'll have a bit of that. But you don't know what you're bringing in. So then, if you're, if you're breeding something, it's, you know, you're putting your stamp on it and, you know, it's kind of like your guarantee. So if you're having scattered dogs into your line, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, this is why people say to me, you know, you, you stick... I've always stuck to stuck to what I know and I plod on and I've always done that. People say, yeah, but why don't you outcross more? Because I don't want to bring unknown stuff into a line. You know, it's like a famous chef who's made a soup that's perfect. Why would you put some ketchup in it? You know, it's, you just stick with what you know. Don't start trying to, you know. So anyway, that sort of answers your question. Mm-hmm. There, there are two trains of thought. Again, it's uh, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier is. Um, it, there's, uh, how can you say? It's. I've noticed it in the last thirty years. It used to be a nice place to be, and today it's full of underhand dealings, and backstabbing, and and everybody seems to be fighting for a place at the table now. It's good because, you know, a passionate breed obviously attracts passionate people, not always, but going back to the origins, people say it was the bull and the terrier crossed. Okay, that's, that's one theory. The other theory is it always has existed. That type of bulldog has always existed. Now, if you look in uh, art uh, of the 17th century, 18th century, you'll see Staffordshire bull terriers. So, to suddenly turn around and say, yeah, it was the old English uh, white terrier was crossed with a bulldog because, uh, you know, they wanted a, a more of a sporty show because two heavy bulldogs fighting isn't, um, isn't exactly exciting because they lock on and nothing really happens. Let's get a bit of terrier blood in there. Yeah, okay, okay, it's, it's simple, but if you look at, if you look at how the breed developed, I think all breeds of dogs were bred for a purpose. Now you had bulldogs, you had terriers, you had hounds, you had, and it's only afterwards when the kennel club got involved and there became money involved that people started splitting up the breeds. You know, the, uh, the, Nor- the Norfolk Terriers and the West Highland Terriers and the, you know, it's, they were all one and the same, but they start they start splitting things up. Um, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier and the Bull Terrier, um, they, they were, it was just one giant melting pot. So I find it hard to believe that suddenly one day somebody decided to cross their bulldogs with some terriers to create the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. I think personally, it's just my
my opinion, that the type of small bulldog has always existed, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. It's only later that we labelled that type of dog as the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And obviously, when you, the club, um, uh, when uh, Joe Mallon and uh, uh, Fred Phillips and everybody decided to put the club together, it was to try and uh, regulate and make the breed more uniform and more acceptable mm-hmm. because the Bull Terrier was always accepted and the Staffordshire Bull Terrier was the working man's dog, it's a fighting dog, so it was kind of shunk. Even today, it's, it was the case. I remember a few years back, I was at Crufts, and the Staffordshire Bull Terrier at Crufts had the biggest entry of all the Staffords. Yet, politically, it's not correct, so the uh, BBC, the television, switch off their cameras when they go past the Staffordshire Bull Terriers, even though they're the biggest entry. You know, because it's it's always had that reputation as so they decided to declare the breed and that's where the, 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 the standards were rewritten because the old standard with, with the bigger dogs, the leggier dogs, the, the pit type dogs, uh, and they you know want to bring the standard down, standardize, uniform the breed, and make it a show dog. And I mean you can go back, I think it was Bill Boyle and who Wrote that it's going to be the death of the breed. Um, the moment you start showing these dogs, that's it, it's finished. So there was a big division, even back then, that these types of dogs shouldn't be brought into the sort of show world, if you like. So, and it's, it's kind of like the Border Collies, it's kind of like the, the Patidale Terriers, it's the working dogs. Nobody wants them to be rec- a recognized breed because the minute it's a recognized breed, it goes downhill. Mm-hmm. People start breeding for money and not for function. So, I personally think, to, to your question, that the uh, the breed has always existed. That's just you know, from what I've read, what I've seen. You had bulldogs in in the, in the broad sense of the term, and it was just a small type of bulldog. Mm-hmm. Now, others obviously believe, you know, that there was a little dash of this and a little dash of that. But, I mean, to be honest, uh, even between the two world wars, the travel was very limited. So, you know, there were small strains and small pockets in England where they they bred their types of dogs. Um, They're not going to go across the the channel for an outcross. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to breed to the local dogs. So, uh, I I just think that, you know, it was a type of dog and the minute that it was a recognised breed, then obviously you need to romanticise a little bit. You need to paint a sort of nice picture, you know. Oh, well, the Staffordshire was a, a half bull and half terrier. Well, yeah, if you like, but that that can also be um, a sort of layman's way of explaining to people, you know. To have a decent dog, it needs to be a balanced type. So you know, you don't want too much of the bulldog. You don't want too much of the terrier. So to to explain it, you can say fifty fifty. But then people take that uh, as, as as proof and they say, well, yeah, it's got to be 50-50. No, it's just a way of explaining what a balanced type of dog should look like. I mean, if you look at... Um, what was I going to say? It's just gone out of my mind. Uh, oh, yeah, in France, they have... They like to describe the Staffordshire Terrier as a bully type, a balanced type, or a terrier type. 
Now that's just uh, a way of explaining to people the types of dogs that you have. Don't exaggerate one way, don't exaggerate the other way. But people here actually take that as, as, as proof. Uh, I've got a bully type, or I've got a terrier type. But no, you've got a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And it can lean towards one or to the other. The show types, for example, may be heavy in the head, uh, squat. You know, this, this is why the standard, again, it was, it was uh, Belby. Belby had uh, the sliding scale of the weights to the heights. Now, uh, people should pay attention to that. I'm trying to find it somewhere. But, you know, if you have a small dog of 35 centimeters, for example, it should be weighing about 11 kilos or 12 kilos. Now, if you have a dog of 17 kilos, he should be sort of 40, 42 centimeters. So why, why is that? Because you know, then it would, you could see that the dog would be uh, balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have uh, a dog of uh, 35 centimeters that weighs 17 kilos, you've got a sort of puggy little type. So you're looking for that natural blend because the standard was actually a blueprint for the perfect fighting dog you see people if you follow all of the written standard what you should have is a dog that would be the perfect specimen for the pit but but people don't look at that Mm -hmm. people say oh no we're following you know blindly we're following that you know it needs to look look like this and there's so many teeth but the standard originally was the blueprint for what should be considered the perfect fighting dog so this is in Staffordshire Bull Terriers. Now, Stafford's, uh, what I've learned in my long time in dogs is you can't really preach. You can't really say this is how a Stafford should be because everybody, uh, everybody has their own idea of what their dog should be. So all you can do is look at the standard and breed towards that. It's a guide, the standard. So uh, this is the importance, for example, in, in the show ring, which I avoid, is you need to have the old judges that knew the old histories of the dogs that can see a good dog. And you don't need to go into these exaggerations with the big heads and you know the chubby bodies. For example, in the dog shows here, they'll measure a dog for the height, yet they won't weigh the dog. So you know you can have a dog when the standard is 17 kilos for a male, you can have a dog weighing 25 kilos, for, you know, so it's completely out of balance. But they'll measure him and say, no, no, but he's the right height. Then you say, yeah, but what about the scales? No, 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 no. Because again, you, it's all about entries. It's all about if we're too strict, you won't have any entries. Mm-hmm. So, Staffordshire Bull Terrier for me is just a small bulldog that's always existed and it's come down and it was the function was of uh, the people of the black country, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, was have a functional terrier. Mm-hmm. It was as simple as that. I mean, they were poor people, they needed a dog that could uh, catch a rabbit for the pot, could uh, do some ratting, you know, because you know streets weren't clean, you know, there were slums. Um, and if a dog was uh, pugnacious enough to be successful in the pit, there was a certain notor- notoriety that the, the owner would get I mean, when you're all poor and you've got something that shines, you know, so, so they will be, you know, known in the area as having a decent dog. Uh, and obviously there's money involved, the betting. So 
hard times and sort of hard circumstances created this breed. So if you don't read about that and you know you don't have to agree with the blood sports and all the things that went into it, but if you don't understand that, you won't appreciate the dog today. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But um, so th- this is the thing you've got two sets of people now you've got Staffordshire Bull Terriers people that want to show their dogs why not and now you've got um, the agility types uh, there was a guy in Holland that created a sort of um, competition that was very popular and it spread throughout Europe there's Norway Italy a bit everywhere and it, it basically tests the physical uh, capacity and ability of the Staffordshire Bull Terriers and it's, it's one way of sort of proving the tenacity of a dog other than, you know, the old-fashioned way. So it's very popular. So these competitions have sort of gained popularity and the sort of show sort of uh, competitions are starting to, you know, drop down in, in popularity. So it's, it's interesting, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I get the, had the pleasure of judging. Uh, I was in Italy uh, last year. Nice turnout, about seventy-five dogs. Um, back to the subject of balance again. What I would say is, when they're going into uh, too much competition and sport, and uh, the winning and the, the, the hyping up the dogs, the terrier trait comes through. Too, a little too much. So we're talking about balance again. So whereas you can see in the the classical dog shows, these sort of heavy, sad-looking bulldog-type Staffordshire Bull Terriers, in the agility side, you've got a lot of these sort of fiery terrier types that are very explosive and, and they get good results. But when judging, got to watch out for your fingers. So temperament... Uh, you know, there needs to be a balance between the bulldog temperament and the terrier temperament. A terrier is fiery and snappy, but that's not what we want in a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. A Staffordshire Bull Terrier needs to be a confident dog. That They say nanny dog, again, that's a sales point. It's a dog that you can trust around kids, gentle as a lamb with the kids. Again, as I, I wrote in, my, um, in the last interview we did, when we grew up, there was always a Stafford or two kicking about with the kids. You know, we'd be playing football out in the in the in the, in the roads, uh, and there was always a dog kicking about with us, and never 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 a problem. You know, the Staffords, and you'd see a stray dog would come over, and they'd see a tear up with the dogs and stuff. But it was uh, there should never be aggression to two legs. Staffordshire Bull Terrier, four legs. You know, all bets are off. Two legs. Never a question that a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, well-bred, will, will you know, even raise his gums or growl at, at a human. So it's interesting for me to, you know, I've gravitated around the, the show worlds and sporting worlds and stuff. So it's just that balance, that temperament. Yes, it's nice in the sporting world to, to win medals and stuff, but to the sake of the temperament, just got to be careful. I said to the president of in the Italian club when I was there, I just said, just just be a little bit careful with the dogs that are being bred, because you know there's it's just starting to creep in. And the last thing 
but Stafford Gibraltar is leader, you know, is to be labelled man biters. So Stafford Gibraltar is, uh, especially in Ireland, they they were used for badger baiting, which was uh, a sport, um, and it was uh, it was two ways. It was to draw the badger. Often it would be on on land to dispose of the badger, but they didn't. As, as people often think, they didn't kill the badgers all the time. They would they would bag the badger and then free it, you know, further away from the the, the, the steps. So it was a way to test the courage of dogs. So you, you had Kerry Blues, you had Wheaton Terriers, you had all sorts of terriers in Ireland, and it was part of the the sort of competition, if you like, was the dog had to work in silence. Now, um, if you've ever seen a serious altercation between two, two Staffords, it's, it's uh, eerie because the fight is in silence. It's almost like you've got the, the, the music switched off. You, know, you can hear the growls and the bits and pieces, but it's it's almost in silence. It's, and, and this was what the, um, the Irish were looking for. A yappy dog uh, was a dog that lacked courage. So... Again, it was the selection of the dogs, you know, if somebody had a brave dog that, you know, drew so many badges, again, they were somebody in the community. Uh, Ratting, uh, Rabbiting, uh, Charlie Fox, uh, basically a a good terrier, uh, as is written in the standard, was the all-purpose dog. It could do whatever was asked of it. Uh, There are some... uh, some things written about Staffordshire Bull Terriers being used by gamekeepers to retrieve uh, ducks in the lakes, swimming out and retrieving. So it was just a useful dog. It was the working man's dog. It was, you know, a dog that didn't need anything, in, uh, any special care. Uh, you just looked after it uh, and it did its job. It was just an honest dog. I mean, you, you know, you. This is why, uh, if you go back in history, you know, people didn't have vets. If you had a weak dog, it died. You know, so you needed that selection. We were talking about the baubles. The the bauble out in the veld was, imagine all the things out there. And it was selection, natural selection, selection of the the best. If you've got a big farm dog in in a rough terrain, in a hostile terrain, only the best survive. It was kind of like the same thing with the Staffordshire Bull Terriers. They were they grew up in sort of working class, uh, in the working class uh, industrial Britain, and uh, you know you had to be tough to be to, to survive. You know, uh, the, the, they they talk about the child uh, uh, infant mortality at the time it was huge. So I mean, if you imagine people were having their children die, uh, you know how much. Uh, concern would you have for a dog so for a dog to survive it had to be tough mm-hmm. so this is why um, you know that we like to today say well these dogs were bred just for this and these dogs were bred just for that but from what I can see the Staffordshire Bull Terrier was, uh, was just a functional dog mm-hmm. it was the dog that could do everything to the best of its ability certain breeds would be better at things than, than the Stafford but you know the Stafford would do everything you could ask of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, with my dogs, you know, uh, 
we have a lot of wild boar in the south of France. And um, I've had stuff from my line go out and catches catches wild boar. You know, it's, it's people frown upon it because uh, the club here have put together a thing called broussaillage, which is basically you have your your dog chase uh, uh, a little piggy in a park, and and if if it chases it and you know chases after it and barks and is not too scared, it gets his uh, working certificate. So a lot of people have been fooled having working champions when in fact the dog isn't allowed to make contact with the animal. It just shows that it's willing. So we actually have dogs that make contact and actually you know after you can you know have a good uh, stew with it you know that's frowned upon so a lot of people have taken dogs from me a lot of the hunters down south uh, and they've all done done very well you know, they have a little protection to the big collars and stuff and they've done so you know wild boar um, there's not too much badger badger stuff going on here obviously it's illegal but there's a lot of uh, a lot of places that, that do have to remove badges. Um, Staffords aren't really for that, it's the other sort of smaller terriers are used for that. Um, ratting, it's fun, good fun with them. Uh, like I say, uh, rabbits, you know, I know a, a couple of the boys that used to go lamping with their Staffords, you know, cheating, but you know, one for the pot. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're very. Um, like I say, it's a breed that, you know, it's easy going and you can do many things with. So, I, you know, I wouldn't say there's one particular task that it's good for. Obviously, it was originally historically for the pit, for fighting other dogs, other animals. But that was just, um, that was just because it was very efficient at what it did. Because I mean, if you go, we don't want to dwell too much on that, but basically what people are looking for is an animal that's game. And the gameness is the willingness to go further, to go beyond its sort of normal capacity. So people are looking for that. Mm-hmm. You know, have I got a game dog? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the dog willing? So that's what people are looking for. So the Staffordshire Terry became very popular because my own opinion is people were looking for the qualities that they, they see you know that the dog is tenacious and uh, courageous and, and loyal the, the qualities that they see in their dogs half of the people wish that they had these same qualities hence the popularity of the Staffordshire Bull Terrier mm-hmm. now uh, this is a question that I've asked a few people, but they haven't really uh, been able to give me a an answer. What's the difference between the Irish lines and the English lines? What was the the Irish lines and the English lines? Were basically the difference is um, nothing. <laughs> the original dogs were a big type of dog. I mean, I remember years ago, when I first got my dog, I was working way out in the country, and there was an old man, uh, he was an old gamekeeper, and I was renovating a a cottage next to him. And when I used to finish work late, I used to let the dog out of the van, and we'd go for a a walk in the forest, because it was a beautiful place to sleep. 
Lindhurst in, in the New Forest. So you could go walking for, for hours and there was country pubs and stuff. So. Anyway, so I let the dog out and the old boy came over and he said, oh, you've got a bulldog. And I was young and I said, no, no, uh, sir, it's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And he said, no, it's a bulldog. And I said, no, no, no. He said, and I insisted, you know, this old man obviously didn't know what he was talking about. And so finally he said, listen, they, for us, are pit bulldogs. That's it. They were a type of bulldog that was fought in the pit. Mm-hmm. And I thought, don't I feel stupid? Because yeah. that's what they were. So the Irish dogs and the English dogs is all the same thing. They were just maybe later. For me, it was the same thing. The Irish lions and the English dogs were the same thing. Now, when we got in the, the uh, Dangerous Dogs Act in England, it was in the early 90s, I think, 92. When we got the Dangerous Dogs Act, uh, there was a way to get around the law, which was to say any pit type was an Irish. No, it's not a pit bull officer, it's an Irish. You see what I mean? So people started using that as a sort of sales pitch. You know, I've got Irish Staffordshire terriers. Okay, if you like. You know, you've got, in the old days in Ireland, you had Staffords, and I, I knew a few people from, from over there. And they said to me that, you know, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, if it was in the pit, it would gas out at 45 minutes. When uh, the first pits turned up and people realised the capacity of a pit bull compared to a Stafford, they switched. Now, switching between pits for fighting and Staffords, obviously there was lots of crossing, Staffords and pits. So you've got longer, leggier dogs. What do we do with them? They're Irish. There are Irish Staffordshire Bull Terriers. So in the 80s and the 90s, there was a lot of, I've got Irish blood, but the origins were doubted. But if you go back in history, uh, it was the same thing. It was the same thing. The Irish dogs and the English dogs are the same thing. People will probably argue till the cows come home and say, no, 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 you're wrong. Maybe, but for me, it's just the same thing. It's the same. A bulldog, this is why... Staffordshire Bull Terriers, my kennel is Nightwood Oak, people know it as Nightwood Oak. So I sort of uh, put the stamp on my dogs, it's just KO, mm-hmm. Nightwood Oak. But here I've got some working terriers and bits and pieces and the bulldogs that I had. I now sort of umbrella, if you like, my kennels as KO Sporting Bulldogs. And that's the umbrella that encompasses all of the types of dogs that I do. Mm-hmm. But Nightwood Oak was specifically the Staffordshire Bull Terriers. If you like, Chaos Sporting Bulldogs kind of basically covers the types of dogs that I do. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to it, the Irish dogs for me, it was one in the same. Mm-hmm. One in the same before. When you came to 1980, 1990 with the law, it was a loophole and it was a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go into the Bulldogs and the old English Bulldogs, I mean, there are, there are so many uh, sort of appellations now. And it's, it's, it's sales, marketing. You know, we're, we're in the Facebook generation now. Everybody markets their dogs and good luck to them. You know? mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I won't say his name, but he had old English bulldogs and Romany bulldogs in the same litter. And it was just, how can I market 
the different types. Oh, you've got yourself a Romany there. Oh, that, that one's an old. They were in the same litter. So it's just, it's a spin, it's a cell spin. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? Yeah. So Irish and Stafford, they're bulldogs. They're just, they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have a naive police officer that stops stops you in the street at the time and said, that's, that's a leggy dog, that's a pit. No, sir, it's an Irish. You know, before they started getting glued up, it was a loophole. Mm-hmm. So, before, one and the same. After, a loophole of marketing. Today, we don't hear much about the Irish dogs today. It seems to have sort of died a death. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, the, the people that I knew uh, in England, the Brett Pitts, were very, very discreet. You wouldn't know anything about them. They didn't sell to the public. They did whatever they did. Very discreet. And they still exist today. And the Staffordshire Bull Terrier is, if you like, it's the sort of, you know, for, for everybody, Joe Public, everybody can have a Stafford. Mm-hmm. But if you want a sort of fast lane dog, you have to know the people who recommended. It's, it's a different, different sort of... Uh, mm-hmm different sort of a group of people but to answer your question the Irish dogs and the English dogs for me were one and the same mm-hmm. <clears throat> so can you t- for a layman somebody who doesn't know the difference in, in the, the history behind it what is the difference between the American Pit Bull Terrier and the Staffordshire, and where did the American Pit Bull Terrier come from? What What is the lineages there? Again, this is like the, the history of the, the Bulldog that always existed and the cross between the, you know, the, the old English and the Bulldog. It's, it's two trains of thought. Um, basically, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, or the Pit Bulldog, always existed. Now, when the English, the Irish, and the Scots left uh, the United Kingdom, when they quit to go and seek their fortune in America, they took their dogs with them. Now, these were Staffordshire's or Irish dogs or whatever you want to call them. They go to America, and people then, there's uh, Cockney Charlie Lloyd and, and all the characters on sort of East Coast that used to fight their dogs and stuff would send back because a lot of them were Irish immigrants and they would send back to get dogs from the old country so you could say they were Staffordshire's but it was documented that they then breed these dogs very often to the local dogs tough dogs bigger dogs they wanted a bigger type of dog they don't want just these smaller dogs something a bit bigger and that went towards the American Pitbull Terrier so this is just from what I've read and what I've understood is the pit bulldog, which later became known as the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, went to America, and then with local dogs and local breeding, became a bigger type dog, which was the pit bull. That's a pit bull terrier. So you have a pit bull dog. It's a pit bull terrier now, and so it's an appellation again. And then you had that's a pit, and then later on down the line, I think it was in the 1940s when they decided the pit, you know, it was. Uh, the Danish dog um, uh, blood sports act in America they, they stopped it you had pit bulls that decided well we're going to stop 
uh, using it for fighting and we're going to start showing. So that's when the pits divided into two and then you had your American Staffordshire Terriers and your pit bulls. But, you know, you even had, up until the 1980s, you had pit bulls that were registered as Amstaffs and pit bulls. They had a double nationality, if you like. But it's one in the same breed. So for me, you had your rough and tumble pit bulldogs, which, you know, the Staffordshire Bull Terriers went to America. They were crossed and bred and became bigger and maybe more efficient, who knows. Suddenly became a bit different, and then they were pit bull terriers. So we put an appellation on them and we called them their American pit bull terriers. They're mm -hmm. ours, they're American. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and then down the line, you've got the Amstaffs, which is just the show version, if you like, from the original pits. So that's, again, people will argue until the cows come home, but quite simply, I mean, if you do a lot of reading, I mean, I've got an extensive library down there and I spent the last 30 years listening more than I speak. I mean, I ask questions and I listen and, and from what I've developed is as simple as that because pedigree dog breeding only happened in the last sort of 100 years. It was when money got involved. I mean, when the kennel club, they decided to, to get involved because they knew there was money. The minute you put a paper on a dog, it's worth more. Mm -hmm. Why is it worth more? Uh, for example, you know, if you have a working dog, a border collie, it earns its living. Why, the minute you put a paper on it, it's suddenly worth more. Uh, Jack Russell Terriers. I remember Jack Russell's, when I was back in the UK, uh, on a Friday night, someone will pull up in a, in a van and open the doors and there would be a box of puppies. And for buying the guy a couple of pints, you could have a pup. Now they're worth a thousand pounds a pup. Jack Russell Terriers. Why? Because they've got a paper on them. Now this paper suddenly means that dog's worth more than his brother that hasn't got a paper on, you know. It's, so we, we, it's just a sort of shift in the times, but the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, which was just a bulldog, a pit bulldog, as my old friend would have said, you know, when the, 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 everybody emigrated and went out to the States and they took their dogs with them, these dogs, which were the original strain. We say, yeah, they were Staffordshire Bull Terriers. Yeah, they're called Staffordshire Bull Terriers now, but they would just have been a bulldog, pit bulldog. So they, those dogs came over from the old band, came to America, where they were adapted, bred. People say, for example, that when they took the horse and carriages and they went west to, to, to reclaim their land, that you know a small terrier wasn't uh, effective enough against the predators and all the bits and pieces that they met along the way, so it needed a bigger dog that was more sort of, you know, uh, sort of visually sort of uh, dissuasive. So hence they bred to the bigger local dogs. Whether it's true or not, who knows? But why not? Good story. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, like I say, the, the dogs from the British Isles went out to America and then they became the pit bull. So people can say, no, the pit bull was before the Staffordshire. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's all uh, smoke and mirrors, you know. The dogs from the old country came across and they were bred. And so now we can divide them up and say, they were Staffords, no, they are pits, they are Amstaffs. But if you, you follow the sort of, the way things went through history, the old dogs went across and that 
gave birth, if you like, to the sort of bigger version of the old dogs, which is the pit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've made myself clear, but no, that's, that's the way I see it. And let's uh, say in the modern times, what what is the personality difference between an Amstaff, American Pitbull Terrier, and a Staffordshire? What have you noticed? What have I noticed? I mean, I, I know I know a lot of, um, or I did know a lot of breeders of Amstaffs. Um, I, I don't know. The, the Amstaffs for me, you know, it, it's like... Um, I don't want to offend any Amstaff breeders, but <laughs> the the American Staffordshire is like a diluted version of the pit. The pit, the pits I know are, are, are wonderful dogs. Um, you know, they're they're loving, and at the same time, they are so eager to please. Why they can be abused? They're, they're so eager to please. They're so they have this physicality about them. They have that certain sort of uh, sagesse, that wisdom in the eyes. You know, it's you've got hundreds of years of genetics have gone into creating these dogs. The Staffordshire Bull Terriers, you've got happy-go-lucky dogs. Um, you've got certain lines that have kept that sort of seriousness about them. But they're a clown. Um, they're good with kids. Uh, you know, they have the, the mad five minutes. So you know, you can see why there's the popularity of Staffordshire Bull Terriers because it's such an easy-going dog. The pickle for me is an easygoing dog, and all the rest of it, you can see it's so capable. A pit is, you can just feel the the, the, the need to the performance. Um, you know, it's its physical capacities are just there for all to see. A good, a well bred pit, and we're not talking about fighting. If you want to take a, a mountain bike out, a VTT with a pit, I mean, you don't have to pedal. You know, the, the the dog is, is gone. Staffordshire Bull Terriers, if you like, are the Staffordshires, you can't confuse Staffordshires which are bred for the show ring and sort of your Staffordshires that are physically capable. So Staffordshire Bull Terriers for the show ring, you've gone the wrong way. You are judging something on the beauty, not the physicality. So you go, and this is where the English Bulldog went wrong years ago because you're judging just on the beauty. I mean, you know, an old boy once said to me, uh, Miss World is beautiful to look at, but can she cook your dinner? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same thing could be said. Yeah. The dog, he's fantastic to look at. Could he do a day's work? Mm-hmm. So if you f- forget about the show winners with the big Rottweiler heads and the little chubby bodies, if you forget about them and you think of the Staffordshire Bull Terriers that do the agility, very, very nice dogs, but again, they're a watered-down, limited version of the Pitbull, which is was just bred, just, you know, undiluted. If you look at the other breeds of dogs, when they need uh, a bit of outside blood or high-bred vigor, they go to the pit. The guys that have greyhounds and lurches and stuff, they need to spice it, they'll go to a pit. You know, the guys with the Wheaton Terriers, they'll go back to a pit. So the pit is there, even the Malinois. The Malinois, you want something which has got a bit more punch uh, with, the, with the ring stuff. They won't ever admit it, but they cross into the pit. So the pit is there, if you like, to, you know, as, as the saviour to all other breeds. Why? Because 
genetically it's the most superior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to upset a lot of people, but this is again only my opinion and the way I see things. So you've got the, the champion, if you like, the pit, and then you've got either side of it, the sort of diluted versions. You've got your staffy, and then you've got different types of staffy. You've got your staffy that can do your sport, which is, which, which is good, but it doesn't compare to the pit. And then you've got the show, you've gone the wrong way. Now you've got show champions that are starting to resemble Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, again, it's you, you've got to be um, very pragmatic when you're dog breeding and stay away from sort of um, uh, easy ways of, of making money. Well, if you breed to this uh, champion, everybody's going to buy pups from your litter. Oh, well, I'll go to him then. No, because what you're going to do, yeah, sure, you're going to make a few quid, but further down the line, you have, uh, if you like, sort of damaged or, or you know, your your line is suddenly, you know, not what it should be. Mm-hmm. It's better to keep your sort of morals and keep your virtues and, and go in the right direction. You're not going to make any friends, but at least when you sit down and you look and you can, you can be proud of your work what you've done mm-hmm. so it's it's avoiding the sort of the glamour and the lights and the sort of you know but like I say if you, if you go in through the, the three breeds the pit is the the number one and then you've got your sort of diluted versions for other people so you can go a bit further and say the pit's not for everybody the other dogs if you like are safer and easier to manage for the other people so that's that's the way I see. I, I didn't go too much. I remember years ago there was a, going back twenty five years ago there was a guy in, near Paris who was breeding some Amstaffs. I think they had a bit of pit blood in them as well, which were okay, which were okay. But I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Like a couple of times I've been offered an Amstaff, always turned it down. Not interested. Mm-hmm. So. The staffies and the types of staffies that I look for, I breed, I have them, I have seven, eight generations of them here, that's it. But if you're talking about the, the, the differences and sort of, you know, the, the fours and againsts, there you are. Mm-hmm. So. I have in France, I've got two or three guys that I work with, same guys, purists, uh, and for over the years, that's been 15, 20 years now, uh, we work together uh, in selecting the dogs because they have their styles and I have my style of working, but we agree on the majority. So, uh, and it's good. It's, you know, these guys, they're not into the sort of uh, shows and the this and the that. Um, and, and they've done a lot of reading and they've done a lot of research. And you, if you're doing a mating, it's, you can have like a brainstorming. Everything you up and I'm going to use this dog, which is always of the same family. What do you think? And then you go for the fours and against of, yeah, with that female, she's got this default, and don't forget the grandmother had that. And yeah, but, yeah, but don't forget. And so you can talk. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I own bars for many years, because what better place than to sit around a table with a few pints of Guinness and discuss pedigrees, planned matings, uh, you know, and different bits and pieces. So there are two or three sound guys that I work with in France, uh, outside of France, to be honest. 
to be honest, no, I don't. I, I often talk with other breeders, but there's, I don't work mm-hmm. yet. I don't work with anybody outside of France. So, for many years, my professional life sort of took up a lot of my time, and this was a sort of small hobby that always went along. And so now I've, I've got the pleasure of sort of putting some more time into the dogs rather than uh, than, than other stuff so so who knows mm-hmm. I, I want to travel a bit visit a few sort of old dog men uh, this year and next year and uh, just, just 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 keep learning mm-hmm. but uh, but I've got a few good contacts in the UK a couple in Ireland a couple of old dog men in Ireland that I'm going to go and visit um, some interesting stuff uh, lots of anecdotes lots of Guinness to be drunk so no but um, like I say I've got two or three guys I work with here and that's about it we're sort of a, a small setup. Mm-hmm. where do you register your dogs France France yeah EFCI or just the club no no it's uh, the SCC which is the Society uh, Centrale Canine which is like the Kennel Club in the UK. Okay. The French version of the Kennel Club is the SCC. Mm-hmm. So my stuff is goes through the SCC. Mm-hmm. And Which how is, again, it's, uh, you're talking about Monopoly's commission. You're not allowed to have a monopoly, but the SCC has a monopoly in France. You can't go to another registry. It's just them. So it's not really fair because then you start getting into... Uh, for example, there's a new Staffordable Terrier Club that, that came to light a few years back. And if you're not really in agreement with them, then you're against them. You're either for or against. You can't have another opinion. Which, you know, it's... I do what I do, and I work with the SEC. I'm not really in agreement with the club. Um, yeah, it's a bit different. I mean, if you look at France... The, the politics in France is, is a bit special because you've got one club for the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. You're not allowed several. If you go to the UK, you might have 25 clubs. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a club and for whatever reasons you don't get on with somebody or you're not in agreement with somebody, we'll go to another club. In France, you can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're either in agreement with them or you shut up. So... Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, not being uh, that sort of personality, I'm not really in agreement with them, so I just do my own thing. So, But again, France is, is a little bit special because they have a system where in at 12 months of age, your dog has to go before a judge to be judged to see if it's deemed a typical specimen of a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Therefore, you get another, a license to breed from it, if you like. But if the judge decides that he doesn't like your dog, that's it. You can't breed from it. It's crazy. It's just it's a, it's a way of making money, you know. So what happens when you come to a judge that's incompetent that doesn't know the, the breed? Because another thing in France, you have judges that, uh, what they say, multi-race. They can judge up to 26 races of dog. I judge three or four different races, and I, you know, I'm not that old and senile, but I have a job to remember three or four standards. You know, I really have to read up and and 
how can you remember 26 standards of dogs perfectly? Mm-hmm. So, again, another thing, uh, we talk about the standard, again, of Staffordshire Bull Terriers. If a dog should be balanced, all the show champions of the last 20 years in the UK have been 43 to 45 centimetres. The standard says that it shouldn't be above 40.5 centimetres, but there's a tolerance. The tolerance is normally 2.5 centimetres. So technically speaking, at 43 centimetres, your dog is measured, it passes. Now, the club in France have decided to do away with the tolerance unofficially. Therefore, they get the measure stick out, and if your dog is 42, it gets thrown out with the dishwater. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you are creating an environment where you're going to bring down the size of the dog allowed to breed, yet you're not going to bring out the scales to see if the weight corresponds to the size of the dog. You see what I mean? So we're going back to Belby's sliding scale again. So you might have a dog that's 28 centimetres, but he's 20 kilos. Hence, people say that they are the little uh, Vietnamese uh, pigs, you know, the little fat, bulky things. So this is, again, one of the things that I'm not really in agreement with because, you know, a a good dog is where you find it. You know, you've got some cracking dogs that might be a centimetre over the limit. So what do we do? We say that you can never use this dog. So it's this is why, you know, I'm not really, you've got to have some governing body. I mean, we talked before about old English Bulldogs. And when you talk about standards for old English Bulldogs, well, where do you start? I mean, it's so diverse. I mean, where, where are you going to start? Who's right? Who's wrong? So... You know, that's one exaggeration, that's one extreme. Staffordshire Bull Terrier is pretty uniform, but then to decide that we're not going to let you breed from your dog because it's a centimetre over, and you say, yeah, but what about the English champions at the moment? They're 45 centimetres. Yeah, but that's in England. We're in France. Mm, you know, so uh, it sits, sits badly with me. You know, it's not... No, I'm not really in agreement with them, but anyway, then you know, there are ways and means and whatever. So, so that's uh, that's why I'm not really sort of. I don't follow what other people do in France. I just do what I do, and if you like it, great. And if you don't, great. You know, it's not going to change anything for me because I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. So, like we decided I sent you a sort of batch of photos and I said well, you know, feel free to you know. so instead of people looking at my ugly mug they can look at the photos going around and going through and, and make up their own mind 